0: What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Even growing up as a non-Christian outside the church, I knew this passage of Scripture, although I tend to hear it in the King James because that's the way I learned it. I'm not on Am I louder now? (laughs) Yeah, this is a passage of scripture um, that I knew even growing up outside the church, although I knew it in the King James, right? What profiteth a man if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul? This has become a byword in our culture for integrity. Integrity. And in a day and age when all values and morals are up for debate and everything is being questioned, this is the one virtue that is not questioned by anyone. Now, there's different ways to understand integrity, but everyone wants to see someone with integrity. Millennials want to live an authentic life. They want to be in contact with someone who owns who they are and believes in who they are and tells you about who they are and that's how they understand integrity. And that's not such a far distance from what we as Christians believe. And so it's a point of contact for us. It's a point to begin our conversations with a world that may not share our convictions. Everyone agrees that authenticity or integrity is good and hypocrisy is bad. In fact, Jesus reserved some of his harshest criticisms for the hypocrites. Now, hypocrite is an ancient uh, theater word. It's from theatrical productions and it literally means one who wears a mask. A hypocrite is someone who wears a mask, disguises their true identity. And Jesus especially had no time for religious hypocrites. Well... It was a great hypocrite who understood well the the nature of hypocrisy. He was a brilliant man, but lived a very two-faced life until the very end of his life when he came to Christ. And it's a guy named Oscar Wilde. Um, And Oscar Wilde said this about hypocrisy. He said, "Hypocrisy is the tribute that vice pays to virtue.'" I'm going to say that again because the first time I read it, I had to read it twice. Hypocrisy is the tribute that vice pays to virtue. In other words, when someone behaves hypocritically, they're acknowledging that the mask they're putting on is better than their real identity. They're saying, in effect, what is over there is better than what I'm doing with my life, so I better hide what I'm doing with my life. We understand, and what essentially what Oscar Wilde is saying there, and what we understand as Christians, is that it's one thing, it's one kind of integrity to be true to who you are inside, but it is a far higher type of integrity to be conformed to something higher than you. I began this sermon series by recounting for you St. Paul's words in, in Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The Word of God seeks to reach into our lives and not only save us by bringing us to faith, but to transform us more and more into the image of His Son, which is a much higher destiny than we could ever have by seeking anything inside of us. And that is a point of contact for us. And we are sought, the way that we're transformed by that is holding in the midst of testing and trial and debate and discussion and challenge by holding on to He who held on to us at the cross. We are transformed by our allegiance to God in the midst of a world that claims many allegiances from us by placing that allegiance higher than any other. Now, Jesus had some words about this to the church at Pergamum today. Now, a little bit about Pergamum, this ancient city in Asia Minor, was not only a cultural capital, but it was a religious center for the Roman Empire. You could find a temple, and a really good temple, to nearly any of the gods in the Roman pantheon there. You could, Zeus, Aphrodite, Apollo, they all had their own place. And more than any place else in what we call Asia, Asia Minor, or today Turkey, Pergamum was the center of emperor worship in the Roman Empire now I didn't know if you knew this but the, the, uh, in the Roman Empire the Roman Emperor was worshipped as a god right alongside Zeus and Apollo and Aphrodite and the whole rest of the lot and this was the largest center of Emperor worship outside of Rome itself now this may be why Jesus says in the poetic language of the book of Revelation that they dwell where the throne of Satan is. Here is a man pretending to be a god while Jesus is a man who really is God. Is on offer for the people. And in the midst of that chaos, He lauds them. He gives them great praise for holding fast to the confession of their faith even when one of their own, Antipas, is Killed, martyred for the sake of that faith. And the fact that those two are so closely connected could have something to do with it. We know that there were Christians who were killed because they would not worship the emperor. Perpetua and Felicity are are two famous examples of that. This might have been what happened to Antipas. But in any event, he was martyred rather than worship any of these foreign gods. And Jesus praises them for holding fast in the midst of that trial, for keeping their allegiance to the God who claimed them in the waters of holy baptism and through His blood on the cross. But he does have some criticisms. There are two groups that come in for criticism in his letter to Pergamum. And it's the first one was those who hold to the teachings of Balaam. And the second one, Balaam, 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 we don't know how it was pronounced, just in case you... Balaam... Those who hold to his teachings and the Nicolaitans. Now, I'll tell you a little about the Nicolaitans because they're only mentioned in the Book of Revelations. We believe they were pros- they were followers of a guy named Nicholas who was a proselyte uh, who became a Christian and um, then went off on a kind of went off on a tangent. The Nicolaitans claimed that the freedom we are given in the gospel. The freedom which Martin Luther would write one of his most famous tracts called The Freedom of a Christian. They claimed that that freedom gave us the freedom to be idolaters and immoral. Particularly sexually. But they, of all all sorts of immorality, you are free in Christ to do whatever you want and God will forgive you. Well, He will. That's called repentance on our side. (laughs) But this is what the Nicolaitans taught. You could do anything you want, including worship foreign gods. Well, this is essentially what Balaam did in the book of Numbers. But he was a fifth column. See, Balaam was a prophet of God Most High, but he taught the Midianites how to, how to overcome God's people by leading them into idolatry and immorality, particularly sexual immorality. Because when we're involved in idolatry and sexual immorality, even a little bit we start to draw back from God. We increase the distance between us and God. And God came in the person of Jesus Christ to close the distance between us and Himself. He wanted to bring us home into communion with Him. And when we deliberately run away from God, we lose our spiritual strength. Not because God stops giving it, but because we stop receiving it. And so, Jesus' exhortation to them is to repent and receive this stone with with their name on it, which is a new identity that only they and God can know about. And the way they'll do that is that sharp two-edged sword that you you hear spoken about in the first verse. If you go back a little ways, we read it. on on Transfiguration Sunday that's coming out of Jesus' mouth that's his word it's the word of God that helps separate truth from error morality from immorality and he calls them back to a costly obedience that will result in their transformation more and more into the people he has called them to be and claimed them to be and reclaimed them to be in Jesus Christ That being transformed by our allegiance to God is part of who we are called to be as the church. And it's by His grace that we receive it. Now, I want to close by highlighting for you a very practical way way this looks. I don't know if you caught this in the news. There's a lot of news, so I never know what anybody hears. But um, I don't know if you noticed that uh, the Reverend Billy Graham died last Wednesday. Okay? Reverend Billy Graham was uh, an amazing man, led an amazing life. Um, but here is what he, probably one of the best titles he was ever given. He was the last nonpartisan evangelical. He was a counselor to presidents of both parties. And he very famously said, I am not here to stand on the right or to the left because a preacher must speak to both, because the gospel is above both. And in the history of America, both the left and the right have gotten off track at times. So, how do you get back on track unless there's a standard higher than the one you're following at the moment? So, I'm sure he had political opinions, but we never heard about him. Because he offered the gospel, the eternal gospel of Jesus, and counsel then to Presidents Reagan and Presidents Clinton, President Carter and President Bush. His allegiance was higher to Christ than it was to his country, his party, or whatever other things he believed in. He always held his allegiance to Christ first and foremost above everything else. And that is the most amazing thing about this man. Now, As he was breathing his last breaths in his Carolina home, the high school kids of Parkland, Florida, were walking out of class in protest of the gun violence with which our Lenten season commenced on Ash Wednesday. And being people who know how to do this stuff way better than I do, I guess they had they had all this social media thing going so the kids in Maryland were walking out of class at the same time. Now, I'm not giving encouragement to that. I'm not lifting that up is a good thing. What I'm lifting up for you is that they decided to take whatever action they could. They said, we can't vote. This is the action we're going to take. But I want you to hear what one of the survivors of that school shooting said. His name's Cameron Kasky. And he said, this isn't about red or blue. We can't boo people because they are Democrats and boo people because they are Republicans. This is about people who are for making a difference. how can we hope to make a difference in this world if we're just listening to the world? It's been said, I think very wisely, that the level of thinking you're at is what brought you to where you are. And you can't get beyond it till you change your level of thinking. If our allegiance is to something higher than our political viewpoints, we may be able to find an answer that our political viewpoints can't find to hold our allegiance to Christ above every other allegiance allows us to love our country and love our party and love our family and love the people we work with in our businesses the way that they should be it allows us to course correct because this is how God this is how God did it with us he loved us first so we could course correct By listening and holding on to Him, we can love in a way that lets us course correct. We need to be transformed by our allegiance into something more than this world can make us. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, we are so blessed to come to Your holy house And hear these ancient words addressed to the church at Pergamum to relate the story of Abraham and Jesus, that we might hear it and be reminded that you are the first and the last. You are, and you were, and you are to come. Lord, we have to have our beliefs about what to do in this life that you call us to hold them up against the mirror of your word and to be transformed by our allegiance to you. Strengthen us, O Lord, to overcome our differences, to find good solutions in our families, in our communities, in our churches. Bless us, Lord, that we may be the salt for the earth, the savor of your kingdom which is to come this day and always. And we ask this in the precious name of Him who gave His life for ours, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Be Thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that Thou art.